Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. There was a guy a few years ago named Eric. Uh, He lived in Tennessee, and he had inherited a farmhouse from his grandparents. And this farmhouse, as you can tell, had kind of been laid, uh, just left unchecked for literally decades and had fallen into disrepair and had been just ignored largely. And this past year, as the cost to keep up this farmhouse was too much, Eric decided to sell it. And so he spent a couple days cleaning out the farmhouse and about a few days in, he was making good progress, but then he pulled back this old carpet and he found this old safe. And so he responded the way I just heard some of you responded going, ooh, what's this? And and so he saw in the safe a dial. And for the next couple days, he stopped the chore of cleaning out the farmhouse and he started the treasure hunt of trying to pry open this safe. And so for two or three days, he tried different combinations and he finally grabbed a crowbar and just went to town on this safe and he opened it up and at first it was a little anticlimactic because all he saw was this, what looked like bricks. But then he started pulling them out and little did he know he was actually looking at one-of-a-kind antique collectible books. And the more he sought, the more he dug, the more he found. Because after the books, he found a large amount of antique coins. And after that, he literally found silver dollars, one-of-a-kind minted silver dollars. After that, he found a treasure chest, a safe within the safe. That safe had literally been incepted into the safe. There was a safe within a safe. And so he pulled that out and he pried that open. And what he found there was jewelry, antique collective items, uh, even antique weapons. He found all these different things. And so he stopped just the chore of trying to take care of his house and get it ready for sale. And he started a treasure hunt. Uh, He went through the entire house, pulling down walls, uh, prying up baseboards, and he was looking everywhere he could. And the more he sought, the more he found. And by the end of it all, he didn't have a few hundred dollars worth of things, not a few thousand dollars worth of things, but he had found literally tens of thousands of dollars worth of antique coins, one-of-a-kind books, and these treasures that for decades had left hidden in this unassuming house and were found when somebody took the time to search them out. Now, why do I mention that to you? Well, because that is what we have in Christ. That Jesus is a treasure. And just like Eric was in this house, this unassuming house, we are in Christ. And the more we seek after the things of Christ, the more we find that he is the treasure. He's not a means to a treasure. He is the treasure as we do all things and live all things in the wealth that we have in Christ alone. That God is literally looking at you who believe in Jesus and saying every single thing your heart longs for Joy and love and acceptance and fullness is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And the tragedy is that for many of us, we spend our lives and days become weeks, become years. And this treasure that we have in Christ just, left, just is left abandoned. 
and left unchecked. And yet for those of you that take the time to seek, to search, to see him as the treasure he is, you find the immense wealth you have in Christ. And when you understand the wealth you have in Christ, it leads you to walking in Christ and in this life, and you'll never be the same. And that right there is the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. That we have this immense, immense wealth in Christ, and that leads us to a life of walking with Christ. And so we're jumping into the book of Ephesians this morning, and we're going to take the next couple of months diving into it and exploring it and ripping apart the baseboards and opening up the treasure that we have in Christ. And so why Ephesians? This is our first book kind of out of the gates at City Bridge Community Church. Why Ephesians? Well, a couple of reasons. First, the book of Ephesians has deep implications for us as a church body, as us as City Bridge Community Church. Mark Deaver, who is one of the foremost theologians on what is a healthy church, he wrote a book called what is a healthy church? And he said, hey, when you start a church, hey, I want you to go and I want you to do a series about your mission, vision, and values. Check, we did that, it's called High Call Safe Place. You can check it out on podcast. Yeah. And he said, from there, dive into the book of Ephesians. He said, because of the book of Ephesians, as you look in it, it shows you how to be a healthy church. In fact, every single chapter of the book of Ephesians will have a metaphor of what it means to be a church. In chapter one, it talks about the church being a body, the body of Christ. Chapter two, it's the temple. Chapter three, it's a mystery. Chapter four, it's a new man. Chapter five, it's a bride. Chapter six, it's a soldier. We are something in Christ. And what we often do is our 21st century North Dallas mindset is we just read the Bible for us. And we miss out that it's about us. That, that Paul is writing to this church community. In fact, every single you, Y-O-U, in the book of Ephesians, outside of Old Testament quotes, are all plural. It's y'all, y'all. <laughs> like, all of them are y'all. He's writing to a church community. And if you think about it, they would have gotten this letter from Paul, and it would have been the only thing they talked about for months as they would read it over and over, as they would study it within their families. They would talk about it when they rose up, when they went down. They would ask each other questions. Hey, did you see what he wrote in this part? Hey, is that impacting you? Hey, it talks about things with your marriage. How's that going? It would have been the talk of the town in Ephesus amongst the people of God. This has deep implications for us as a church community that we are united together as we read through this. But it also has deep implications for you as an individual. You see, anytime someone uh, comes to faith in Christ, I typically tell them, hey, read two books, the book of John and the book of Ephesians. The book of John shows you the life of Jesus playing out, but then the book of Ephesians shows how the life of Jesus impacts your life. And so in Ephesians, you see this immense wealth we have in Christ. The first three chapters of Ephesians, when you got in, you got this little handout card, and you see it, the first three chapters talk about the wealth we have in Christ. There is only one command in the first three chapters, which is just to remember that you were once far away and Christ brought you near. Remember the wealth you have in Jesus. And then in chapters four, five, and six, there's like 50 commands because once you understand the wealth you have in Christ, it should impact how you walk in Christ throughout the rest of your life. This is about being in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It's about being in him that Jesus literally wants to touch every aspect of your life. He wants to touch your marriage, your community, how you relate to people that are different than you, 
different backgrounds, different social class, different ethnicities. He wants to tell you about the course of human existence, about where everything is going. He wants to impact every single part of your life, your marriage, your work, your kids, from the majestic to the mundane of life. He wants to in interact with it. And when you understand that wealth you have in him, it will impact how you walk in him. It has deep implications for you. And so not only does it have deep implications for us as a church body and deep implications for you, but as you understand the people of Ephesus, these people that Paul was writing to, they look a lot like us. And so Paul opens his letter and I love how he does it. He always kind of tips his card. And so in the first two verses, it's really just kind of microcosm of everything else he's about to talk about from the next six chapters. And so it says at the very beginning, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He goes, hey, look, I'm Paul. I'm living out God's will for my life as an apostle, but then I want you to watch what he calls these people. It's four different things. He calls them saints, first and foremost. That this is a group of people, this is a community of believers that have understood the wealth that they have in Christ. They've come to trust the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. But then he says, these saints are in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was known in the ancient world for a few things. One was their worship of false idols. Uh, the, the temple of Artemis was there, literally one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was this amazing temple, and she was the goddess of the hunt, goddess of fertility, which meant that she was the goddess of sex. You, you had a community of people that literally worshiped a god of sexuality. And not only a God of sexuality, there, there was other temples there. One was to Roma and one was to Caesar. And so you would literally come together and not just worship the goddess of sex, you would worship politics and the political world and align yourself with those individuals. And so these were people that were indoctrinated, this community, this uh, Ephesus was indoctrinated by, by, by uh, uh, the worship of false gods. But then they were also this well-connected city that Ephesus was like right in the middle. It was a port city that literally connected all these different towns together. And so what happened in Ephesus literally impacted all these other communities around them. They were well connected. And because they were a port city, they focused on business and their business relationships and their business connections. That work became this idol as well. And because of that, they weren't just well connected, they were wealthy. You look at ancient ruins and you see these massive houses and then these other areas, these cathedrals that were dedicated to entertainment and, and, and to sports and to games, and these people had immense amount of wealth as they were numbing themselves out to entertainment. So pause, does all that sound familiar? That, that, that this is a group of people, that this is a town and this is an environment in which people literally worship sex and politics. And then are well connected and think about their business connections over and over with a connection of multiple cities coming together as they were immensely wealthy and just thought about how to have a bigger house and a bigger chariot and a bigger whatever so that they can just kind of sit back and binge watch the games, right? Like this is us, this is North Dallas, this is Collin County, this is us. And so in the midst of this city, there are these saints, this group of people that are in Ephesus, but it says that these people are faithful. They're faithful. That though the world is yelling at them to be drawn into this false idolatry and this false worship and these, these blessings that will only lead to destruction, these are people that understand they have an immense wealth in Christ and so they're gonna walk faithfully 
in Christ. And all of this is because that last little thing, that they are in Christ. And because of that, they have grace that the world doesn't know. They have peace that the world longs for. And that's from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is why we're studying the book of Ephesians. That when you understand the immense wealth you have in Christ, and we understand the immense wealth we have in Christ, then it doesn't matter what Ephesus we live in or what Ephesus becomes in the future. We can walk faithfully and walk in Christ because we in this community and I hope this larger community of Collin County and the world will never be the same as we begin to understand that everything we need in life, the deepest longings of our heart are in Christ alone. And so the very first thing that Paul wants you to know about this wealth that you have in Christ is that you are blessed in Christ. You're blessed in Christ. And that word blessed gets hijacked in our culture, see all the hashtags. But that word blessed just literally means that you have a rich benefit because you're attached to somebody else. And that somebody else wants to lavish favor upon you. You have a rich benefit in Christ. And so in Ephesians 1, three through 14, which is one sentence in the Greek, Paul got really excited. Paul is going to push back on all these different areas where we're trying to find our blessing and our, and our worth and our value and our significance and our, and our joy and our identity and our wealth. He's gonna push back about our worship of these false gods of, of sexuality and politics and our well-connected city and our, and our wealth. And he's gonna show us that there's something better. And that something better is only in Christ alone. And we're gonna see it in the first few verses that we have been selected by the Father. We've been saved through the Son and we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been selected by the Father, saved through the Son, and sealed through the Holy Spirit, and it's my hope that as we linger here, that God would begin to do in our hearts what he's stirred up in my own, that the longings of our hearts, the deepest longings are only found in Jesus. And so let's get going. First up, we've been selected by the Father. That's what verse three and following says. Let me read it to you says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so why do we bless God? Why do we praise God? It's not so that we can get a blessing from God, but did you notice? It's because God has already blessed us. It says he's blessed us in every spiritual blessing. I love one commentator said that when you were born again into God's family, you were born rich. Or as my friend Rob Berry said, you were a spiritual trust fund baby. <laughs> so you can trust in the Father because he has granted you every spiritual blessing. I love what James 1.17 says, that every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. We have every spiritual gift in God. And so this weekend I just paused 
And I wrote two columns in my journal. I put every spiritual gift and then every blessing. And I just spent time meditating on, okay, God, what are the blessings you've given me in Christ, the spiritual blessings? And then through Christ, what are the things that you've granted me in my life? And instead of focusing on all the negative of this world and the negative of my life, I just focused on the the blessings that, that I've been given by God that I don't wanna take for granted. And the beauty of those blessings is I didn't earn any of them. As you notice in the passage where all of this begins, it says in verse four, it says, even as he, the father, chose us in him, the son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, which ties both four and five together. He predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. You have been selected, chosen, predestined by the father. Now we need to pause on those words because them's fighting words for a lot of people, uh, which is a tragedy. Because every time those words are used in scripture, chosen, elected, predestined, they're always in the context of encouragement. They're meant to be an encouragement that in love, God wanted you, that God chose you, And it wasn't because you did anything. It was before the foundation of the world. God made the first move towards you. So there's a beautiful scene in The Silver Chair, one of the Narnia stories in which Eustace and Jill, two of the humans in our world, are are about to get bullied at school. And so Eustace, who, who knew Aslan, started saying, hey, what if we prayed to Aslan? Maybe he'll take care of us. And so they start praying to Aslan. And lo and behold, Aslan swoops them away into Narnia. And, and they get to Narnia and they see Aslan and they walk up to Aslan and they go, Aslan, you heard us crying out to you. And I love Aslan's response because it's so true about what this verse is talking about, that what he says is, hey, my dear children, My dear children, you would have never cried out to me if I wasn't first crying out to you. That we see in this passage, it was before the foundation of the world that God wanted you. That if you are in Christ, it's because the Father has chosen, has selected you, that he wanted you. You see, in the ancient world, what you would get often is you would get going to go and worship the gods. They would worship these pantheon of gods that all were over these different elements of life and they would typically go and worship these gods to either get something from God or so that that God wouldn't mess with them. And the tragedy is so many of us still approach God that way. That if I just do these things, then maybe God will give me what I really want. Or if I just do these things, then maybe he just will leave me alone so that I can go and do what I really want to do. And when we see God, it says that we bless him. Why? Because he's already blessed us. We're not trying to earn something from God. We, we don't worship and praise him to get something from him. We already have it. Every spiritual blessing. And so we can say with verse six that we uh, would praise him because we are already blessed in the beloved. You see, to be wanted, to be loved, to be picked, to be chosen is so deep in the heart of humanity that when we don't get it from God, we'll just get it from everything else. And we'll leave tired, we'll leave wanting. It'll never be enough. And the longings of our heart to be wanted, to be chosen, 
to be adopted into the family of God with all the rights and privileges of a child of God. That's found in Christ alone. That you have been selected by the Father to be holy, to be blameless, to be adopted. He wanted you. He chose you. Now, if we've been selected to be holy, blameless, and adopted, the bad news is that we aren't. We're not holy. We're not blameless. And therefore, God can't adopt us into his family until God does something about it. And that's where the passage goes next. That we've been selected by the Father before time began, but then there was a moment of time in which we who are in Christ were saved through the Son. It says in verse seven, it says, in him, that's Christ, we have redemption through his blood. To be redeemed means to be purchased out of slavery, that we were held captive to our slavery to sin and death. And Jesus on the cross through his blood redeemed us from that. And that yielded for us the forgiveness of our trespasses according to not just his grace, the riches of his grace which he didn't just give to us, he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight and he brought us into himself. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time and then he's gonna unite all things to him, both you back to God and you with one another, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance that we have access to now. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives within you. Because we've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who are the first to hope in Christ, we have a hope that's not rooted in this world, it's rooted in him. The first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. Golly. So that passage right there, that's the passage I, I turn to often when, I, when I'm struggling with doubt or insecurity or fear. I just go to this verse and I just take my journal out and I write all the things that are in my mind that are, that are not true, but it's, but it's thoughts that are really loud in my head about who I am and how God sees me and, and what's my role with other people. I just list all those out and then I literally go to this passage time and time again in my journey and I just write out every single thing that I am in Christ, that I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven. I am an object of God's lavish grace. I'm united in Christ and I'm united with other people. I have an inheritance, I'm chosen, I'm a part of God's plan, I have a hope, that's who I am in Jesus. And if you're in Christ, don't miss this. Like, that's who you are. That's who you are. And so in what ways are, are you doubting that? Who you are in Christ? In what ways are you not believing that if you have trusted in Christ that you're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're an object of God's wonderful, lavish grace? In what ways have you lost hope? You think about this past year and all the things that we had our hope in, as those things begin to crumble, did you run to the only one that is hope? If the goal of all things is that we would be united with God and united with one another, then in what ways have you been divisive with fellow believers over trivial matters? You see, it's interesting. Ephesus was this well-connected city. Uh, they valued their unity amongst their business and, the, and their, their towns around them. And what's interesting is, is that's us. 
You look at our world today and we just kind of keep on trying to unite under all these various things. And, and what happens is when we unite under these things that we actually end up being more divisive. Because all of a sudden my group's not like your group. And so we gotta go to war with each other. Whether actually or online. And so what, what the world is longing for, this, this peace and this unity, like that's what the world keeps longing for is this peace and this unity and to be a part of something. Like Jesus gives that. Like our world today just goes, okay, if you want unity, then what unity is is just come to my side of thinking and just, just agree with me and then we'll have unity and then we'll have peace. And so we align together with, with political leaders and some surface level identity of a sports team or a socioeconomic class or a zip code or a city or a nationality and that keeps failing because that's not the plan of God. The plan of God is to unite everything under Jesus, the hope of Collin County, the hope of your family, the hope of your work, the hope of this country, the hope of this world is not a political party, it's the person of Jesus. So we have to start putting our hope where it can't be found, it's found in him and him alone, and only when we come together united in him, in our community groups, in our families, and in here, that's when John 13 will, will be true, that the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another because you're united in him. That God's plan for this world is to, to give a, a, a new people, a new identity, that they might be united together in him, yes, but also with one another. So what the world longs for, this unity, this peace, to belong to something we have in Christ, that we've been saved, through the Son to be united with him and to be united with one another. And when we come to trust in that, it says that God puts his seal upon there. And that's where we go next. That we've been selected by the Father, we've been saved through the Son, and then finally we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The totality of the triune God is moving towards you. And it says this in verse 13. It says, in him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, what I just mentioned about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and offering that forgiveness for you and raising to life, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who, not what, but who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so seals in the ancient world were used in a lot of different areas, but it was used in, in letters. Like if I was gonna write a letter to you, I, I would write this letter and I'd put it in a little envelope and I would take out my, my family signet ring that was unique to me and my family. And I would put wax, wax on the letter and then I would take the ring and I would seal it so that whoever was bringing that letter to you, when you received it, you would know that it's authentic and that whatever was in there could be trusted because that seal implied an ownership and a security that you could trust in. So when you have come to trust in Jesus, God literally puts his seal upon you by putting his spirit within you. And so because you have the spirit within you, you can walk in a trust and a confidence that you are his, you belong to him, and nothing can take you away from that. So you can walk in a security in this life. It's beautiful what Paul's doing here. You see, he's connecting eternity past. You've been selected before the foundation of the world. 
with eternity future. You have an inheritance that's coming. And all this is centered on the person and work of Jesus the Christ. And so we have this inheritance that's coming, which should affect how we live today. Ephesus was a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy city. Large houses, citizens consumed with entertainment and material possessions. And if we're honest enough, I'm honest, all these things can give you a sense of security and a sense of comfort. And we in North Dallas are being pulled into the same culture over and over and over again. Hey, if I just had a little bit bigger house, if I just had a little bit nicer car, a little bit more money, a little bit more free time, a little nicer, a little faster, a little newer. We start talking like that. We start talking a lot more like Ephesus. We start living a lot more like we care about we are in Ephesus more than we're in Christ. We spend our lives pursuing these things that will ultimately be burned up. And the tragedy of it and the irony of it is that these things that we seek for to try to give us the security or this provision or this comfort, these things that we long for, which are good, security, provision, comfort, these things are found fully only in Christ alone. And so these things that we end up pursuing as the ultimate actually distract us from the treasure we already have. I love what Paul says in Philippians 3.8. He says, indeed, I mean, just ask yourself, is this true of you? He says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I count them as nothing in order that I might gain Christ. And so don't miss this, like what you long for. That this security, this comfort, this eternal riches is found in Christ alone, that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, that we might have an internal inheritance with God, and that should radically transform how we live today. That you have been selected by the Father, you've been saved through the Son, and you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. The totality of the triune God is rushing at you and has given you everything you possibly could imagine or want or need, truly want, truly need, is in him and him alone. But we see it as some barn that we just wanna sell or ignore. We miss the treasure because we're too distracted by all the things to see what we already have in Christ. Let's not be like that. We can't be like that. So what do we do with all this? You've been selected by the Father. You've been saved through the Son. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. How does that wealth impact the way that we walk? Well, two things. First, that we would live a life of worship. We say that at the close of each week, have a great week of worship because we know that this moment right here is, is a part of living a life of worship, and when you leave those doors, that is your life of worship, that Monday through Saturday, that you are living that life of worship, and where I see this in this passage is that you, your purpose in life is found in a person, and it's to the praise of God's glory, and so I want you to look at this passage. This is everything we just discussed. 
selected by the Father, saved through the Son, sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so what we said at the very beginning was the best teacher here is the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God. And so as I lingered in this message this week, what I saw was this. Bible study 101, look for what's repeated. Do you know that what we're saying here, we're not making up. We're discovering it, and we're sharing with you the treasure we found. And I hope that's happening a ton in our body, not just right here. You look at this passage and what you'll find is five times the phrase over and over says, by the will of God, by the purpose of God, by the plan of God, according to the will of God, to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that God has a plan that he's moving forward in this universe. He has a story that he is writing, but if you notice, five times he says this, but 11 times that plan is centered in Christ, in him that we're meant to be faithful in Christ, we're blessed in Christ, we're chosen in Christ, we're blessed in Christ in case you missed it. We're redeemed in Christ, we have a purpose in Christ, we're united in Christ, we have an inheritance in Christ, we have hope in Christ, we are sealed in Christ, when we believe in Christ, everything about God's plan is linked up to the person of Jesus Christ and when your life links up to him, it leads to the praise of God. That at the end of each section, it says the same phrase over and over and over so that you don't miss it. That when your life is connected to the plan of God in the person of Jesus Christ, it leads to a life of worship, to the praise of his glorious grace. That's what God wants for you. That you would live a life and life to the fullness and that would be found in Christ. That's his plan for you. And so are you living his will or your own? Do you care more about living in your Ephesus and just kind of getting your treasures down here or the treasure God wants for you in Christ? Are you seeking your own glory, your own praise? Are you seeking his? Because we are a part of God's plan. God's purpose in your life is found in the person of Jesus to the praise of God's glory and God's grace. You live a life of worship. And the way we get there is our second thing that we would live a life of worship, but then we would linger here. We would linger in his word. Like I said, Paul spends three chapters with one command, which is just to remember the treasure you already have. He wants you to linger in the wealth you have in Christ. And then as you see that, as you embrace that, then he puts his arm around you and go, okay, now let's walk with him. Let's know him as we live a life for him and that life of worship. So you linger here. A friend of mine recently said that speed is the enemy of depth. Speed is the enemy of depth. We tend to just go so fast through things and let me just clean out this old barn so I can get it done and get it on the market instead of stopping and recognizing that there's something deep here. There's something beautiful here. There's a treasure here and we need to linger here. And so it's my hope for us and it's our elders' hope and it's our teaching team's hope that you would linger in God's word. You would linger with God. You would memorize Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, not so that you have it and check, I did it, but that you would meditate on the words of God throughout the week. Like, can you imagine if our church body collectively delved into this book and had Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, which is the, like, this pure, beautiful gospel presentation rolling through their heads. 
And, and, and we were talking about it in our community groups and we were sharing it with it with our kids and we were getting in the car after this and talking with our kids about what you just learned and, and you were sharing it throughout your workplace and your homes and your communities. Could you imagine what that would mean for not just City Bridge but Collin County? That we would read it through and pray it in and live it out and pass it on. I hope you linger here. Some of you really need to slow down in life that you can catch up with God. You linger here and you take it as an act of faith that there's treasure here because those who seek, they find. So as we close, it's one last story that really summarizes all of this and it, it brought me to tears this week just thinking about it. Uh, I was with my good friends a few years ago, James and Lauren Unthank, um, at their adoption ceremony for their girl, Annabelle. And uh, it was Adoption Sunday, and, and it was just an amazing thing because you walked in and there's balloons, there's stuffed animals, there's, there was uh, lawyers dressed as superheroes. And uh, it was amazing time. And we just got there. And, and in the midst of all of this, in, the, in this uh, impactful moment, Annabelle was right in the middle of it all, surrounded by friends and family, but Lauren was holding her. And... The, the judge began to ask a series of questions. And so I want us just to imagine that you're Annabelle in this moment. Like I was sitting there thinking about it and she had no say in what was happening. <laughs> like she was a complete recipient of the grace and generosity and love of James and Lauren. And so the lawyer, or the, the judge started asking a number of questions and I wrote it down afterwards just so I could remember the beauty of it. The judge started asking things like, is it your intention to adopt Annabelle into your family today? Yes. Has everything been done to adopt Annabelle? Yes. Will you love and take care of Annabelle? Yes. Do you understand that this is forever and right when that happened, no joke, Annabelle slaps Lauren in the face. <laughs> and Lauren, in that moment, just laughed it off and goes, yes, judge, forever. We're taking her into our home. And the beauty of that moment is the judge who had been walking with the unthanks for a while just, just broke. She started crying. And she said, I, I don't typically cry on, uh, from the bench, but I've seen you walk with Annabelle from the beginning. And I've seen you loved her and care for her and take care of her, including her medical needs. And that girl is a different girl today than she was when I first saw her. And the judge said, it is my great honor with the power invested in me to grant your request that she is now Annabelle Unthink. She got a new name because she got a new family. She got a new identity. She got a mom, she got a dad, she got a brother, she got sisters. She was welcomed into this family that she could walk in this life knowing that she is protected, she's loved, she's taken care of that everything she needs will be given to her by the generosity of her mom and her dad who love her. Because when love comes in, it changes everything. And this passage says that in love, God did all this. 
that some of you just need to hear every day that you are loved by God. And Jesus, when he came, he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. And when you hear that call and you come to Jesus, you go to the Father through the work of the Son, the Father will embrace you and say to you, before the world began, I wanted you. And I made a way for you. I did everything that was needed for you to be adopted by sending my son to live the life that you could not and die that death that you deserve to ransom you, to redeem you out of the slavery of your sin and yourself. I paid the ultimate price and when he rose and you trusted in him, I adopted you into my family. You are mine now. You're my child and you have everything in Christ, in Christ alone, and one day I'm gonna take you and we're gonna spend eternity together and until that day happens, God says, I want you to walk in the reality that you're my kid. I want your life to be different. I want you to find what your hearts long for in my son and in Christ, in Christ alone. And so City Bridge Community Church, Let's live a life of worship. Let's linger here because the Father has selected you. He wanted you. The Son has saved you. He paid the price for your sin and the Spirit has sealed you because he wants to take you home and he wants to live not just with you but in you. So let's walk like that as we embrace the wealth we have in Christ alone. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.